of the Redwood Bureau, a nefarious organization I was once a part of. Files exist that challenge our conventional understanding of mental health, consciousness, and the very fabric of our reality. During my tenure as an agent, I had the great displeasure of delving into these files and being involved with their cases, each revealing aspects of our world that are both disturbing and inexplicable. Psychiatric institutions have always been a focal point for ethical scrutiny. Their dubious history of treatment protocols over the ages, from lobotomies to electroshock therapy, has long provided fodder for debates about the humane treatment of the mentally ill. But what if certain institutions are not merely the staging ground for ethical quandaries? What if they serve as nexuses for phenomena that neither science nor philosophy can explain? According to the World Health Organization, mental or neurological disorders will affect one in four people at some point in their lives. A staggering figure, undoubtedly. But what if, in isolated pockets around the globe, these numbers are not the result of genetics, environment, or trauma? What if they are influenced by malevolent forces that defy our understanding of the metaphysical and psychology? The case file that I present to you is classified as Redwood Bureau Phenomenon 6062. However, among agents, it's simply referred to as the Asylum. This case is not a run-of-the-mill tale of spectral hauntings or inexplicable phenomena. The force that permeates this institution doesn't just manipulate your perceptions. It devours your very psyche, reshaping it into something dark, malevolent, and utterly alien. It changes those within its halls. This force's influence has even reached beyond the crumbling walls and rusted gates of the institution itself, corrupting the very fabric of the community surrounding it. The town of Everbrook has become an unwitting participant in a grand, malevolent experiment, and the consequences are far-reaching, affecting not just the residents, but perhaps the very understanding of human psychology. The following reports are not an embellished narrative designed for shock value. It's a compilation of facts, evidence, and first-hand accounts that have been meticulously gathered and verified. My aim in presenting this to you is not for entertainment or morbid fascination. Rather, it serves as an education into the world beyond what we're told on the TV, an unflinching look at the darker recesses of human experience and the malevolent forces that can shape it. I've always been a seeker of truths, especially those that people prefer to sweep under the rug. My name is Ethan Morris, and for as long as I can remember, 
I've been obsessed with uncovering stories. The darker, the better. This wasn't just a hobby. It was my job. I'm a journalist for Beyond the Veil News, an online publication that allows me the creative freedom to explore topics that legacy outlets often shy away from. Everbrook is a quaint town, seemingly serene, but rife with whispered tales and unsolved mysteries. Nestled between the thick redwood forest and the churning sea, it's a place where most people know each other, yet secrets are a dime a dozen. I've written about haunted lighthouses, cryptid sightings, and unexplained phenomena, but one place has always been the epicenter of local lore, the Everbrook Asylum. Located on the outskirts of town, the asylum stands as a decaying monument to human suffering. It was built in the early 1900s, a grandiose structure with lofty intentions of being a haven for the mentally ill and offer the cutting edge of medical science. But those intentions quickly crumbled. Reports of patient abuse, unethical treatments, and even mysterious deaths began to circulate. The place was shut down in the 80s, but its dark history lived on, festering in the minds of Everbrook residents. So, why had I never written about it? To be honest, it always felt like low-hanging fruit. Asylums are a staple in horror culture, and I feared I'd only be retreading worn paths. But as I was sifting through a pile of old newspaper clippings a few weeks ago, something caught my eye. A pattern of unexplained violence and psychopathy seemed to originate from the asylum's epicenter. It wasn't just the patients or the staff. It was people who lived nearby, even trespassers who had ventured into the building long after it was abandoned. Suddenly, the asylum was no longer just a decrepit relic of the past. It was a living enigma that seemed to reach out its tendrils into the very fabric of Everbrook. The journalist in me was hooked, and knew I had to delve deeper into this story, to sift through the rumors, accounts, and public records to find the hidden truths that lay within the asylum's decaying walls. It was time to set aside my apprehensions about retreading worn paths. I was going to investigate this properly, just like any other story I'd covered. But first, I needed to gather as much information as possible to set the groundwork for whatever lay ahead. I reached out to local historians, scoured the town's library, and planned interviews with some of the old staff and family members of former patients. As much as I was diving into a story, I was also girding myself for an investigation. The weight of what I was about to undertake hung heavy on me, but there was no turning back now. I was on the cusp of something that could either be a career-defining masterpiece or an unsolvable riddle that would haunt me forever. Either way, I knew my next moves would be critical. Not just for my article, but perhaps for understanding what dark force was at play in my own hometown. For the next two weeks, my life became a whirlpool of interviews, late-night library visits, and hours spent poring over microfilm and digital records. I've covered stories on corporate corruption, unsolved murders, and even a few political scandals in my time, but none required as much meticulous groundwork as the Everbrook Asylum. 
There's something about mental health and our historical treatment of it that adds layers of complexity and taboo to the narrative. My first port of call was the local public library. It's a quaint two-story building that has seen better days, but is a treasure trove of local history. Mrs. Thompson, the chief librarian and a history buff, helped me locate the old newspapers and medical journals. Ah, the old asylum, she muttered, adjusting her glasses as she handed me a stack of brittle, yellowing papers. A lot of people forget it's even there. Or perhaps they choose to forget. It's a dark chapter in Everbrook's history, you know. Her words echoed in my mind as I started sifting through the articles. Most were from the late 1800s and early 1900s, reporting the innovative treatments the asylum was famous for. Words like hydrotherapy and insulin shock therapy leapt off the pages, terms that would make modern psychologists shudder. Next, I interviewed a few family members of former staff and patients. I met with Karen, a middle-aged woman whose grandmother had been a nurse at the Everbrook Asylum. Her accounts were a mix of family folklore and snippets of diaries that her mother had left behind. Grandma had always said the place was cursed. Karen recounted while sipping her coffee nervously. She talked about patients who'd go missing, only to be found in inexplicable states of trauma, as if they'd seen the devil himself. This was the kind of first-hand accounts that could lend real weight to my article. I've interviewed survivors of cults and whistleblowers in multi-million dollar lawsuits. But Karen's sincerity struck a chord. It wasn't the rehearsed caution I'd come to expect. It was raw, unfiltered dread. The final piece of the puzzle was speaking with old staff members. Tracking them down was difficult, given how many years had passed and the nature of their work. Confidentiality agreements kept their lips sealed, but off the record, some did speak, under the condition of anonymity. One former psychiatrist was particularly enlightening. We met in a secluded cafe, his identity concealed behind a pseudonym and sunglasses despite the overcast weather. What do you have to understand, he began, was that Everbrook Asylum was not just an asylum. It was an experiment. Treatments were being developed, yes, but... At what cost? There were side effects. Psychological ripples that I believe affected not just the patients, but the entire community. His words sent a chill down my spine. This was a man who had been part of the system, a cog in the machine. And yet here he was, suggesting that this asylum was not merely a place, but a force that affected those who'd come into contact with it. As I delved deeper, the complexity and darkness of Everbrook Asylum's history unfolded like a psychological thriller. It was more than just an abandoned building. It was a scar on the psyche of the town, a blemish that had festered and spread its insidious roots. The more I uncovered, the more convinced I became that the asylum was not just a subject of historical curiosity. It was an ongoing threat a festering wound in the heart of my community. And so, armed with a wealth of information, countless testimonies, and a growing sense of unease, I decided it was time to face the enigma head on. 
I was going to step inside Everbrook Asylum. The sky was a somber gray, the clouds hanging low as if mourning the tales and tragedies the asylum held within its crumbling walls. I parked my car a distance away, hidden behind a patch of dying trees whose twisted branches seemed to reach out, warning me to turn back. But journalism is about confronting uncomfortable truths, even when they manifest as towering, derelict asylums. As I approached the wrought iron gates, each step felt like a descent into another world, one veiled in a shroud of malevolence. My hand hesitated over the rusted iron before I pushed the gate open. It creaked in protest, its shrill sound echoing like the wails of souls long forgotten. I'd been to some risky places in my career, drug dens, underground fight clubs, even a satanic cult's ritual ground ones. But this was different. Here, the air was thick with an almost palpable sense of dread. Even in daylight, the asylum's imposing facade seemed to swallow the sun, casting eerie shadows that danced and twisted as though alive. I took out my camera and started recording, my journalistic instincts kicking in. This is Ethan Miller, reporting from the Everbrook Asylum. What you see behind me is a relic of a bygone era, a monument to human suffering and medical barbarism. I paused, swallowing hard. For a brief moment, I questioned the sanity of this venture. But then, I remembered the victims, the strange occurrences in Everbrook, and the unsettling interviews. This was bigger than me. I had to go on. The front door was ajar, hanging off its hinges as if forcibly torn open. I stepped inside, my flashlight cutting through the gloom. The lobby was a mess of peeling wallpaper, shattered glass, and decaying furniture. Years of neglect had rendered the once grand entrance hall into a chamber of desolation. Moving cautiously, I made my way down a corridor. My footsteps echoed ominously each creak of the floorboard sounding like a whisper, urging me to leave. I passed by isolated rooms, their doors ajar revealing nothing but darkness within. The walls were adorned with faded paintings and murals, their once vibrant colors now distorted into grotesque caricatures. The deeper I went, the more oppressive the atmosphere became. It was as if the building itself was aware of my presence, its very structure closing in on me, felt watched, scrutinized by unseen eyes. My own breathing became shallow, my pulse quickening. Finally, I reached what appeared to be a treatment room. A rusted surgical table stood in the center, its leather straps frayed and stained. Old medical instruments lay scattered, covered in a layer of grime and… was that dried blood? I aimed the camera at the table narrating in a hushed tone. This is where the line between treatment and torture blurred. The suffering that took place here was unimaginable, and one can only wonder what residual energies might still linger. Just then, a sudden gust of cold air swept through the room, extinguishing the feeble light of my flashlight. Darkness enveloped me. My heart pounded in my chest as I fumbled to turn the light back on. When it flickered back to life, the room had changed. 
The surgical table was now pristine, the instruments neatly arranged as if waiting for the next procedure. The walls were no longer peeling. Instead, they were adorned with vibrant murals that seemed to shift and morph when I looked directly at them. It was like I had stepped into another time, another reality. That's when I heard it, a soft, lullaby-like tune echoing down the corridor. It was hauntingly beautiful but filled with an undercurrent of sorrow and menace. My journalistic instincts warred with my primal urge to flee, but the melody drew me in like a moth to a flame. Compelled, I followed the sound. Each step took me deeper into the bowels of the asylum, the tune growing louder, its melody unraveling into discordant notes that scratched at the edges of my sanity. The corridor seemed to stretch and distort, its walls closing in and expanding as if breathing. My sense of direction unraveled. The way back was a twisted maze of impossibility. Finally, the melody led me to a door, different from the others, ornate with intricate patterns that seemed to writhe and twist. A sense of immediate dread washed over me, yet I couldn't resist. My hand reached for the knob trembling. As I touched it, a voice echoed in my mind, a chorus of whispers that was neither warning nor welcome, but a simple, chilling statement. You're here. The door creaked open with an agonizing slowness, revealing a room that defied description. It was as if the laws of physics had been rewritten the walls curving and bending in impossible ways. The floor was a shifting mosaic of faces, screaming, laughing, weeping, each one more twisted than the last. My flashlight seemed to struggle to pierce the heavy darkness, its beam flickering and distorting. The air was thick with a smell I couldn't identify, sweet yet putrid, like rotting fruit mixed with burnt metal. As I stepped into the room, the door slammed shut behind me, its sound echoing like a death knell. I turned to look, but the door had vanished, replaced by a mural of eyes that stared at me with an unsettling intensity. The haunting melody that had led me here was now replaced by whispers, dozens, perhaps hundreds of voices, all speaking at once in a language I couldn't comprehend. But their tone was unmistakable, malevolent, mocking. I felt a pull, a gravitational force drawing me towards the center of the room. A shape began to materialize there, a throne made of what looked like bones and sinew, adorned with cruel, sharp angles that seemed to cut the air itself. Seated on the throne was a figure, or perhaps a collection of figures, constantly shifting and morphing. Now a child, now an elderly man, now a young woman each face twisted in agony or malevolent glee. Welcome, Ethan. The figure spoke, its voice a dissonant chord that filled the room. You sought to understand suffering. Allow me to give you a first-hand lesson. As it spoke, the walls of the room disintegrated around me, peeling away like burnt paper to reveal an endless void of swirling darkness. Each step I took left a footprint of writhing maggots that screamed in human voices. My flashlight morphed into a rotting hand, still clutching the bolt 
which now glowed with an eerie, pulsating light. Where the throne had been now floated an immense, grotesque mouth, ringed with countless rows of serrated, blood-soaked teeth. It spoke, and its voice the sound of gnashing of bones, a cacophony that resonated not in the air, but in my very soul. It said, each word a guttural growl that felt like a rusty blade scraping against my mind. Welcome to the precipice. The void swelled and contracted, like the breath of some monstrous being. From its depths emerged unspeakable horrors, deformed creatures with too many eyes, too many limbs, writhing in perpetual agony as they were torn apart and reassembled in the never-ending cycles of torment. The darkness reached for me, tendrils of pure malice that sought to unravel the very fabric of my being. My memories, my fears, my very identity were torn away, leaving me a hollow shell filled with endless, unbearable pain. I tried to scream, but my voice was stolen, absorbed by the void. I was alone, utterly and completely, in a universe that defied comprehension, governed by a malevolence that existed only to inflict suffering. As I felt my sanity crumble, a new realization dawned. I was to become part of this twisted tapestry of eternal torment. My mind my soul, my very essence would be dissected and distorted, my suffering becoming another note in the endless symphony of horror that was this place's sole reason for being. And then, as if my thoughts had summoned it, a new form emerged from the darkness, a twisted, grotesque parody of myself, its eyes hollow sockets of endless despair his mouth a gaping maw that uttered a single, chilling word. STAY! Everything went black. I woke up strapped to a surgical table. The same one I'd first seen when this nightmare began. Above me were an array of surgical instruments. Scalpels, forceps, bone saws, suspended from the ceiling like some morbid mobile. The air was thick with the stench of antiseptics and blood. Before I could react, the instruments descended. Each moved with the life of its own, guided by an unseen hand. I felt the scalpel's cold touch on my skin, then a searing pain as it cut into me. I screamed, but no sound came out. My voice swallowed by the void. Just when I couldn't bear the pain any longer, the scene shifted. I was no longer on the table was standing beside it, and strapped down was myself. Confusion and terror warred within me, but my hands moved of their own volition, picking up the scalpel. I looked into my own eyes, eyes filled with an indescribable mix of fury and agony, and then I began to cut. I felt each incision, each tear of flesh as if I were still on the table. Pain was unbearable. Yet I couldn't stop. My hands were no longer my own. They were instruments of torment, guided by the dark will of the asylum. Another shift. 
person on the table was no longer me, but a woman, her face twisted into horror. Then it was a child, then an old man, their identities constantly shifting, but the essence of their suffering remained constant. And through it all, I was the perpetrator, inflicting wounds, severing limbs, tearing out hearts. Each cry of agony from my victims was a symphony to the ever-changing entity that loomed over us. I was both torturer and tortured. A cycle of eternal suffering that fed the malevolent force controlling the asylum. I understood then that I had become a part of it. Another soul fueling its horrid existence. As I felt my sanity splinter into more hollow pieces ready to dissolve into the endless darkness, the world shifted one final time. I found myself outside, the fresh air hitting my face like a long-forgotten memory. How did I get here? My mind was a fractured mirror, each shard reflecting a different horror, a different reality. My body ached, my soul felt hollowed out, but I was outside the asylum. I stumbled through the woods, each step a Herculean effort. My mind was a swirl of confusion and dread, yet a singular thought pierced the fog. I must tell people about the asylum. Somehow, I made it back to my car parked at the edge of the property. I fumbled with the keys, my hands shaking so badly it took several attempts to insert it into the ignition. As the engine roared to life, a wave of nausea hit me. I leaned out the window and vomited, my body rejecting some unknown toxin, or perhaps purging a piece of the asylum's darkness that had lodged itself within me. I drove through the night, my mind in a state of hypervigilance. Every shadow seemed to twitch with malevolent intent, every sound a whisper from some unseen horror. But I pressed on, fueled by a sense of urgency that I couldn't quite understand. When I finally arrived back in town, the first rays of dawn were beginning to pierce the horizon. I should have felt relief, but that wasn't even close to what swirled within my fragmented mind. I parked the car in front of my house and sat there for a moment, trying to gather my thoughts. But thoughts were slippery things now, darting away before I could grasp them. With a sense of grim determination, I entered my home. My computer sat on my desk, as innocuous as ever. But to me, it looked like a gateway to another world. A world that needed to know the truth. I sat down and began to type, my fingers flying over the keys as if possessed. I would tell the world of the asylum. Warning, signal interruption detected. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. 
or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Signal connection restored. Explore the Unseen a night in Everbrook Asylum, the ultimate thrill for urban explorers, by Ethan Miller, published on October 28, 2023. Are you tired of the same old hiking trails and over-Instagrammed abandoned factories? Looking for a spine-tingling authentic experience? Then buckle up, thrill-seekers. I've got just the place for you, Everbrook Asylum a hidden gem for urban explorers and history buffs alike. Location and History Located just a few miles off the main road, enshrouded by towering trees and a veil of mist, Everbrook Asylum offers an intoxicating blend of history and mystery. Established in the early 1900s, the asylum has been the subject of numerous myths and legends, making it a compelling place to visit. Getting There the journey through Everbrook is a thrill in itself. The road leading up to the asylum winds through some of the most scenic landscapes, filled with lush green forests and the hauntingly beautiful ruins of buildings long forgotten. It's the perfect build-up to the main attraction. What to expect? Once you arrive, the grandeur of the asylum takes your breath away. The architecture is a magnificent relic of its time, with intricate detailing that survived decades of wear and tear. The towering walls and arched windows create a setting straight out of a gothic novel. Inside the asylum. Stepping inside is like taking a leap back in time. The hallways are adorned with artifacts that tell tales of its rich history. Old medical equipment, handwritten patient journals, and even some of the original furnishings give you an unparalleled glimpse into the past. There are rooms that seem almost untouched, as if waiting for someone to resume their daily work. Why you should go. Not only does Everbrook Asylum offer a rich historical experience, but it also provides an unmatched adrenaline rush. The atmosphere is electric with each room offering new discoveries and experiences. The air is thick with a sense of adventure that you won't find anywhere else. Safety first. While the asylum is a haven for thrill-seekers, safety should be your top priority. Make sure to go in groups, carry flashlights, and of course, respect the site. Remember, we're visitors in a space filled with history. Let's preserve it for future generations to explore. Conclusion Everbrook Asylum is not just another abandoned building. It's a journey through time, an adventure that promises to leave you with stories you'll be sharing for years to come. So why wait? Pack your bags and experience the ultimate thrill that is Everbrook Asylum.
I promise, an experience that will leave a lasting impression. Your next great adventure is just a drive away. Redwood Bureau Internal Briefing RBP number 6062, Everbrook Asylum, Clearance Level Alpha. Agents, you are being briefed on a case that stands currently at threat level disastrous, with the potential to escalate to apocalyptic if left unchecked. The situation concerning Everbrook Asylum is both critical and highly complex. A malevolent force, the full scope of which we have yet to comprehend, has embedded itself within the fabric of the asylum and its surrounding area. This isn't merely an investigation. We're enacting containment protocol and evacuation procedures. Background Information The Everbrook Asylum, originally known as the Everbrook Institute for Mental Wellness, has a history marred by pain, suffering, and inexplicable occurrences. Established in the late 1800s, and then opened officially in the early 1900s, it was a state-of-the-art facility for its time, aimed at treating a variety of mental health conditions. However, in the late 1970s, a series of scandals broke out, involving allegations of patient abuse, unethical medical practices, and suspicious fatalities. A formal investigation led to its permanent closure in 1984. Over the decades, Everbrook Asylum has been the subject of numerous urban legends, investigative reports, and amateur explorations. While most have dismissed these as mere tales, the Bureau has kept a watchful eye on sporadic reports of unexplained phenomena. The real concern, however, has materialized over the past six months. There's been an alarming increase in disturbing incidents within Everbrook Asylum and its surrounding area. These aren't isolated events. They're threads in a fabric of chaos that's been woven meticulously. And it all leads back to the dark, decaying halls of the asylum. Previous investigations. Agents were dispatched to Everbrook undercover as federal investigators looking into a series of unsolved crimes. A covert data center was established within a secured location to facilitate intelligence gathering. Upon arrival, agents hacked into local law enforcement databases, including traffic cams, police reports, and the complete archive of 911 calls and transcripts. Additionally, our cybersecurity team successfully breached Ethan's personal computer and cloud storage. The material found was highly disturbing. Alongside his published article, we discovered multiple drafts, video footage, and a collection of handwritten notes that align unnervingly well with the Bureau's preliminary findings. The fact that a civilian came so close to our own conclusions suggests the situation is far more transparent and therefore more dangerous than initially estimated. Conclusions and Recommendations The evidence paints a grim picture. There's an undeniable spike in violent incidents, irrational behavior, and unexplained phenomena, all concentrated around the asylum. Even more concerning is the ripple effect this influence is having on the broader Everbrook community. 
It's not just those who have ventured into the asylum that are affected. Its malign influence seems to be radiating outwards, infecting the town at an accelerating rate. Given the escalating severity and reach of the incidents, I have several urgent recommendations. Immediate intervention. A specialized task force should be assembled and deployed to contain and neutralize the source of the malevolent influence within the asylum. Information containment. A secondary team should focus on disinformation campaigns, scrubbing all online and printed references to the mysterious happenings, as well as placing moles within the local media to control the narrative. Civic manipulation. Consider temporary relocation of Everbrook residents under the guise of a toxic waste spill or similar believable scenario to limit further exposure. Agent notes, all agents involved in this case are to proceed with extreme caution. Psychological evaluations are mandatory before deployment and immediately upon return. Due to the severe risk involved, this case has been upgraded to level five, indicating immediate and existential threats to both the Bureau and the general populace. Confidential directive for immediate execution. Given the extreme circumstances surrounding the Everbrook Asylum case and its far-reaching implications, the Bureau has decided to take unprecedented actions to ensure the containment of this malevolent entity, as well as the preservation of Bureau secrecy and control. Code Black Protocol Given the Level 5 threat rating, the decision has been made to enact Code Black Protocol for the first time since the infamous Whispering Pines incident of 1997. Isolation Dome. A covert operation will be initiated to construct a metaphysical isolation dome around the asylum and its immediate vicinity. This will utilize dark matter technology currently under experimental stages to attempt to contain the entity's influence. AI-enhanced surveillance. Our most advanced AI algorithms will be employed to continually monitor all communication lines within a 100-mile radius of the asylum, intercepting any conversations, text messages, or online communications that even remotely reference the asylum or displays of erratic behavior. Psychic operatives. A team of psychic operatives will be dispatched to probe the collective unconscious of the Everbrook community. This is a risky move, given the potential for mental contamination, but the insights gained may prove to be our only tool for understanding and combating this enigmatic entity. Data Sabotage A dedicated team will be responsible for the deletion and, where necessary, alteration of all existing records eyewitness accounts, and even memories pertaining to the asylum's activities. This includes Ethan's article and all drafts, which will be replaced with disinformation that further obscures the truth. Political leverage. Bureau insiders within the political sphere will push for the rapid and quiet acquisition of all lands surrounding the asylum under the pretense of a new government facility. This will provide us with greater control and fewer prying eyes. Final note to all agents. 
the entity within Everbrook Asylum poses not only a physical threat, but the potential for its spreading influence risks exposing the Bureau and our operations. All agents are henceforth authorized to use any means necessary, including lethal force, to ensure the success of this mission and the continued secrecy of the Bureau's operations. Any breach of the following protocols will be met with immediate action. Final Directives Code Black Protocol is now initiated. Step 1 will involve the usage of highly concentrated electromagnetic pulses to neutralize all electronics within a 10-mile radius of the asylum, thereby disrupting any non-Bureau communications. Point of Contact Agent Sullivan Division of Paranormal Containments Non-Compliance Sanction Termination AI Enhanced Surveillance Effective immediately. AI-enabled drones and security cameras will be deployed in a 10-mile radius around the asylum to monitor any unusual activities. These devices are equipped with thermal and psychic resonance imaging. Point of contact. Dr. Harper, Division of Technology and Surveillance. Non-compliance sanction. Termination. Data sabotage. All public records, news articles, and digital footprints related to the asylum are to be altered or erased. This also includes the recent article published by Ethan, which is to be replaced with a fabricated story about renovation plans for the asylum. Point of contact. Agent Rodriguez, Division of Information Control. External collaboration. Covert involvement of Cyber Task Force 11 from the Department of Defense. Non-compliance sanction. Termination. Psychic operatives. Psychic operatives are to be deployed in two capacities, one for immediate mental shielding of all agents involved in this operation, and the other for scanning the unconsciousness of residents. This is a mandatory measure and is to commence within 24 hours. Point of contact. Dr. Emily Lang, Division of Psychic Operations. Non-compliance sanction. Mandatory psychological evaluation and potential termination pending results. Updates and briefings. All agents will receive updated briefings every 12 hours. Failure to attend these briefings will be considered an act of insubordination. Point of contact. Deputy Director Smith. Non-compliance sanction. Disciplinary action as per Bureau standards. Evidence collection and storage. All collected evidence, both physical and digital, will be stored in Vault 13 with Level 5 security protocols. Any evidence deemed too sensitive will be destroyed immediately. Point of contact. Agent Lee, Division of Evidence Management. Non-compliance sanction. Termination. Note. This operation falls under the direct jurisdiction of Director Mitchell. Any failure to comply with the aforementioned directives may also compromise the Bureau's objectives and operations and will result in severe disciplinary action. Proceed with the utmost caution and discretion. In the labyrinthine corridors of the Redwood Bureau, where I once served, there is a saying... 
The only thing more dangerous than ignorance is the illusion of knowledge. The tragic events surrounding the town of Everbrook and its hellish asylum serve as a haunting testament to this. Multiple agencies have investigated, countless reports filed, and yet, the enigma remains as impenetrable as ever. While the local community remains in blissful ignorance, attributing the horrors to urban legend or individual hysterical breakdowns, those within the Bureau know all too well of the darker explanations. Preliminary quantum field scans have suggested an anomalous concentration of what they term dark psychic energy within a 10-mile radius of the asylum. It's an energy so potent, it seems to affect the very fabric of reality around it, giving credence to the reports of shifting hallways and impossibly contorted spaces within the epicenter of the asylum. To further confound understanding, satellite imagery has revealed inexplicable fluctuations in the building's footprint. The structure seems to expand and contract in a manner that defies physical laws, as if it were itself a living entity. Attempts to correlate these fluctuations with specific incidents or phenomena have yielded inconclusive results. But the pattern is clear. The asylum is not just a location. It is some form of an entity. In the wake of the tragic events within this report, the Bureau has initiated Operation Solitude, a multidisciplinary task force aimed at ascertaining the true nature of Phenomenon 6062. Under no circumstances should civilians approach the asylum or engage with those who exhibit signs of its malevolent influence. Agents are currently advised to utilize psychic shielding and are required to undergo post-mission psychological evaluation. The confounding case of Ethan, the journalist who mistakenly entered the asylum, remains an open wound in the ongoing investigation. The Bureau and its agents, with all their limitless resources, have been unable to locate him as of yet. And worse still, he continues to upload articles promoting the asylum, containing no discernible digital trail. It's as if they are being conjured out of thin air. As soon as the Bureau takes one down, another is posted almost instantly. To the families who have lost loved ones, to the community that lives in the ever-extending shadow of this monstrosity, and to the agents who risk their sanity and lives investigating it, this report serves as both a testament and a warning. The asylum is not just a house of horrors. It's a nexus of an incomprehensible malevolence that challenges understanding of reality, morality, and the limits of human endurance. Therefore, consider the contents of this report not as a tale of horror, but as an urgent plea for deeper inquiry and vigilance. This is not fiction or folklore. This is a coded warning from the depths of a classified world, a world that exists all around us, and a world that will surely overshadow ours if left unchallenged. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.